Hello everyone. Welcome to High Performance Chats podcast with Abhinav. In this show, I will be interviewing experts within the field of strength and conditioning, sports science, physiotherapy, healthcare, nutrition and so on. Through these chats, I hope to bring you the best information available about the people who are performing at a global scale and dive deep into their technical and professional life. In this episode, I am excited to welcome Mr. Stefan Jones, one of the foremost performance coaches in the world of cricket. He is currently the director of sports performance at a private school in England and is also the fast bowling development coach for the Rajasthan Royals in the IPL. He is one of the leading coaches and consultants for fast bowlers, javelin throwers and pitchers. Being a former professional athlete, a qualified sports scientist and a UKSA accredited strength and conditioning coach, Stefan brings with him a unique set of skill sets. His methods that are a combination of knowledge, experience and a cutting edge coaching system are lauded by all. Hi, Steph. Morning. You okay? Good morning. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Can you hear me all right? Yes, yes. Is the audio and video clear from my end? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Steph, for making the time for this first and foremost. Pleasure, man. Sorry, it was a bit busy yesterday. It was manic. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Was it the start of your preseason? Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was the first day, first day back. So it was... Um, yeah, it, it was it was busy, but just trying to run around and organize everyone. It's <laughs> yeah, right, right. Generally, you are back in India during this IPL season, am I right? Um, yeah, it depends really on the on the year and my, and my role in the in the franchise because obviously the first year, um, obviously I've got a director of sport role here, which is quite a big role in a private school, so. Uh, I came over, but to do that every year, to leave for 10 weeks, is just not fair, really, on the school. Um, so it's uh, a last year, I then did the, um, the development role. So I coached Tiagi and Akash and uh, Varun and JD during the preparation. Then for the tournament, it, I'd come home then. But obviously this year, for COVID, it's just not possible. So I don't know, yeah. I don't know what will happen next year. But um, yeah, I still I'm still in contact with them. Great, 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 great. When I informed uh, my colleagues and friends that you're coming on the show, the first question that came around was about relatively. I am very young in this profession. I'm just probably about five six years old into full time SNC role. So yeah. the first question that came around was how should a young SNC approach the transition from between a generalist to a specialist? And you, of all the people, people do consider you as a specialist. So yeah. it would be great to see what your insights are on about that. Uh, so firstly, I, I think knowledge is key. Knowledge on um, every aspect of human performance. So, and James Smith is a great mind in America, and not very well known, but uh, he wrote a book, Governing Dynamics of Coaching, and it's, uh, it underpins a lot of principles. So I try and adhere to those principles in that you need the understanding of... So in cricket, for example, where I am, um, you would have a technical, a tactical, and a physical coach. Uh, but then if there's sort of miscommunication or conflicts between personalities actually a lot of stuff gets lost in translation but if it's one person understanding everything you can still have those roles 
But if you, you need the understanding of, of everything, for example, in a bowler, if they collapse on front leg, why do they do that? It, it might not necessarily be a strength issue. It might right. be a motor, motor learning issue. It might be due to a pattern, myelinated pattern from a younger days. So you need to add the general general idea of what's happening in the human body and then so that would be your athletic development principles your core principles and then you can go off then in, into your specialist areas but you need the understanding of everything it's the foundation of that pyramid and then you go from there really and, and that's how I've done it in bowling I get lots of questions on uh, spin bowling uh, fielding is a bit different but because uh, I do a lot of work in pitching now in, in baseball with some major league guys and a batting I get some questions and I can do it you know obviously I got two first class hundreds but just because you play the sport doesn't make you a, a coach and that's a really an important principle to remember as well but I can coach it but for me I want to become the master at one thing which is right. fast bowling coaching, coaching speed safely. Uh, but it's all based on you need the general knowledge first to understand how the body works, how the brain works. Actually, I would always start with how the brain works. Uh, and I think that gets lost in lots of these coach education courses. It's actually motor learning is the number one principle. It's the brain telling the muscles to work, whether that's uh, sort of the central nervous system or the peripheral nervous system with your reflexes. But that is such an important knowledge that underpins everything. But general is the base and then go off into your different directions. But um, yeah, it, but the, uh, the knowledge on everything right. is key, is key. So do you think uh, in the role of NSNC, uh, working with multiple sports uh, pays its dividends off at a later stage in the career? Or should you just narrow it down as early as possible once you cover the general ground? Yeah, that, that's a good question. But it's it's different for me because I, I went to university. So I went to Loughborough, went to Cambridge. So I, I'm a qualified sports scientist and a qualified physical education teacher. And then I went into, and then I have a, because um, of my mindset, I have a passion to be, to try and be better than everyone else. Um, I want to be the best of whatever I do, really. Uh, and to do that, I thought, I'm not the most naturally gifted at cricket. I wasn't. Uh, at rugby, I was pretty good. But then, but I could become fitter, faster, healthier, more prepared more stronger, more robust than anyone. So I went down the route then of searching for those techniques that will allow me to be that person. And in that time, I gained a massive amount of knowledge. So I played. Uh, so, so people say, yeah, but you've only been an S&C since 2008. Well, actually, I've been an S&C since 1990 because <laughs> I was coaching myself as well. Yeah. So I coached myself and then in the uh, in the late 90s early 2000s I then coached other other players mm -hmm. so so it, it's actually a positive thing that I played and coached so my career has been a, a unique one I think but I, it's important that SCs do 
look at different sports, but not. Uh, but that, that's up to individual if they want to go totally left field and go from a cricket to a kabaddi or, or, or whatever like that, then that's too, a different beast, isn't it? It's probably like going to rugby for me. But but then like myself now, a fast bowling, then I have a look at javelin. Right. So I, I, I speak to some javelin coaches and trainers and then I go to pitching. So it's very much similar, but a different sport as such. I think you need to cut your teeth into something different and not become too insular in your sport. You need the understanding of different sports and you can get a little, so a little to golden nuggets from different coaches and different sports that will help your sport. And that's what's happened to some of my stuff, really. I've taken it from pitching, from javelin, and then put it into context as fast bowling and come up with my Pesla principles then. All right. Uh, you, you made a very interesting point about uh, knowing about the brain, motor control, skill acquisition. So uh, co coincidentally, like a couple of hours before I was coaching a couple of uh, judo cars and then we had uh, about six new uh, recruits in our institute and one of the young SNCs were just coaching them cleans. And just from a far distance, I was just observing the way how the whole coaching process is going on. That's when I resonated with the point that you just made because at that level, you just need to understand how they acquire the skill and then you need to change your coaching strategy based on that. And at what point of your career did you have this realization that it should probably extend beyond physical understanding of strength and conditioning elements? It, it was um, a recent thing, if I'm honest, because I was very much down the route of strong, strong is better. To get fast, you need to get stronger. So it's about lifting your power cleans and your bench and your squat and you know, searching for that two times body weight squat and cleans 1.25 times and bench. And so I was one of those. And I was one of those when I played. No one would have been stronger than I was when I was played. And I, and I, well, I was a professional rugby player as well. So uh, I've been down there. That's why now when I go to, when I talk and people go, hang on. You, but you, when you played, you were in the gym two hours before you bowled. So I was <laughs> in the gym. So I trained before I bowled, uh, then after I bowled. So I played in a game, in a championship. I would warm up, potentiate before I bowled with some cleans and some heavy stuff for, for the potentiating. Then I would go after, based on the workload I've done in the game, and do maybe some hypertrophy, some robustness, resilience, recovery stuff. So I would use the competition as a training day. I very much had a training mentality with everything. But then it worked for me, I think. I don't know. But it's like a poacher turned gamekeeper now where I'm actually going, hang on, <clears throat> you know, don't rush to go under the barbell, man. Because it might not, might not be what you need. And it, and it was five years ago. It might have been five or six years ago. We had a boy come here from India uh, and he weighed 58 kilograms. <clears throat> That's all he weighed. He couldn't bench press or squat anything. Uh, the bar was, was tough for him. But he bowled 78 miles per hour. 78 miles per hour on my speed gun, like right. what the police use, is about five, four, five miles per hour slower than TV. So the TV, they exaggerated some manic amount. And that's what people need to realize. The people you see on TV bowling, I've also speed gun. So I know the true speed. 
<laughs> ah. So, and then, and then I thought, hang on, this is not, this can't be about strength, because this kid hasn't got no strength. And then I went down the route then of motor learning and and your subconscious coach and um, and the hip and knee dominant bowlers that I came up with and tendon fascia driven against muscle, and then it just makes a lot of sense for me then. Um, how you need a different intervention method for different bowlers. It's not one size fits all. You can't have a cookie cutter program based on other sports into your sports and for different bowlers as well. Uh, and then my the last five years, my coaching people just have to look at my YouTube account and and videos of what I did five years ago. It's very different to what I do now. And that's what coaching is, isn't it? It's it's adapting, but it's also admitting that actually I, I might not have been wrong, but I needed to do that before I get to where I am now. Because strength is important, but it's, but it's strength for that individual that stood in front of you. So I don't Olympic lift my, my bowlers. And that is a big, and I know how big Olympic lifting is in India. Okay, yeah, yeah. for bowlers, it's, and I see some of the techniques, and it's it's shocking, man. But for me, I, I don't Olympic lift. I don't see any point of it. The 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 lift itself is too slow to have a positive and direct impact on fast bowling. So why do it? Because it's a it's a highly coordinative technical skill sport in itself it's an event in itself so I, i'm not going to see an olympic lifter practicing bowling so I, I don't i don't understand why we would confuse neural confusion confuse the system to learn some another technical skill whereas i'm actually trying to improve the technical skill of your event so the understanding of what we train for in the gym is to get stronger, high threshold motor units, to activate as many of those as you can. Yes, based on data, Olympic lifting might do that, but your, your bench, your squat and these stuff are not far away from it. So what I'm saying is it's, it's no one size fits all. It's assessing the bowler that you have in front of you, what are their needs, what are their limiting factor. Some might not need any strength work, some might not need any speed work. Some may not need any technical work. It's all tactical awareness. You know, how many have got two or three different variations of fast bowling when the seam comes down that way and when the seam comes down that way? So if everyone hits the tier at different stages. Right. That's a nice segue into the next question, which is about the KPIs of fast bowling. There are a lot of moving parts. So if you were yeah. to distill it down to the core components, what would it be? <clears throat> and one other question along with it, uh, once you've identified it, how much of it is trainable about the age of 24, 25? Yeah, good, good question. So um, uh, firstly, you're born to bowl 90 miles per hour. And I know I, I put that on a social media uh, a while ago, I've put it a few times really, but some are still not listening, is <laughs> you're born to bowl genuinely fast. Okay, that's in your DNA, that's your genes, 50% phenotypes, strength and speed are your parents. So, But our role as coaches is to squeeze 
the sponge and squeeze as much the 50% as we can by training correctly, training specifically, and training smartly. Training more is not doesn't make you a better bowler. Bowling for two hours in a net is killing the art of fast bowling. That is not. That's like training for a marathon runner while you're while you're a sprinter. It's like <laughs> right. Mo Farrell training the same as Usain Bolt. No, it doesn't doesn't work like that. And it's understanding the principles of the human body, really. But it's but it is um, it is important that all coaches know the understanding of stages of maturation, where they are. You know, as key stages. You know, speed, you have two windows, eight and between eight and ten, and then 13, 14, where you do speed. There's a window of opportunity there. So let's do some overspeed work in there. Let's do some jumping and sprinting. Let's hold the weights, let's get them away. Let's do some tape ball bowling, light ball bowling to get your arm speed up. And then the bits, there's the sections in between. That's when you need strength work, robustness, resilience. And then technical work and that brain plasticity. There are key stages there as well where you need to do technical work. Because I firmly believe after the age of about 16, the sort of uh, the motor control, the central nervous system is pretty much, I think it's about 17, 18, it's pretty much done. So after that, you're going to find it really hard to change technique. You have a pattern. You have these snow tracks. But I use the example of a of a of a snow field with no tracks on them. Every track you do walking is your is your technique is your motor engram. It depends on what sort of motor learning principles you you listen to, whether it's dynamic systems or or show your motor program theories. But I, I think it's a mixture of everything, in my opinion. But so, Motengram, so the more you walk on that pattern, the more you bowl in the nets and repeat that pattern, that deeper those trenches are going to get. So if you've got to change your technique, you know, you've got to make a different track. You, you can't, you'll always have uh, your old technique. That's what people people forget. You can't change technique. You can make that technique better as such but if but you always revert to type if you don't get it wrong it don't get it right so it's it's you know i've walked a, a million million steps but that doesn't mean i'm an expert walker you know just it's not about a, a repetition a repetition doesn't make perfect repetition makes permanent and that's really important to remember. So these guys in India, uh, I'm using India as an example because the mindset in India for cricket is extraordinary. It's it's humbling and it's amazing to see the amount of effort and commitment those go that goes on. But actually, they need education on what is actually required, and that means that's from coaches to players to the whole structure, whole system is bowling, getting these kids. Bowling for two hours in the nets is not is not helpful. It's it's killing that ninety miles per hour bowler. You know where where's the next Ishant or the Bumrah coming? I know at the minute India is very um, blessed with some of the quicks, but then my question is, what is it? Is that all the way through the pathway, or is it just in little pockets? 
put a structure together with the understanding, 20-minute bowl, bowl as fast as you can. Don't worry about direction because Fitz's law uh, states, you know, that there is a, a definite um, drop-off when you worry about accuracy and pace. That's Fitz's law. When, I, when you want to get a bowler bowling in these two windows we've got, take direction out of it. Let them fly. Bowl as fast as you can into a wall. Take the brakes off. A lot of these bowlers have the brakes on because ultimately you don't want to be hitting the side netting or bowling beamers or whatever. So you're, there's inhibited. Fits is law. So it's that understanding and small things like that. Key stages of development. You have a pace flow. Okay. Right. That's it. That's it. My pace floor is different to Jofra Archer's pace floor. You know, Jofra Archer will always be five floors at the top of me. Okay. But if my, if my training is better than his, I might be able to catch up, but he'll always be ahead of me. And then it's the, the training, the coach education, the training and everything is what's going to push your pace ceiling up. But you're born with a pace floor and your pace floor is going to be different to the next person based on genes and DNA. But everyone can get quicker. But fractions, you know, you're talking fractions. It's I get lots of questions. Sir, I bowl 110 kilometers per hour. Can I bowl 140, 150 in three years? And I'm like, well, come on now. That's never going to happen. And, I, and, and it's not me dampening someone's ambition or their dedication or application. It's actually being realistic. Spend that time making that 120 Ks, because you can get 10, five miles per hour, making that 10, five miles per hour more effective. Work on your slower balls. Be more accurate. Work on your batting, work on your fielding. It's not. There's enough bowlers who make it professionally who bowl around that 120, 130. But... You know, your Sean Tate, your Brett Lees, your Shoaib Akhtas, your Michael Holdings, these guys, Jeff Thompson, Jofra Archer, they're, bo they're born like that. They're right. born to go that quick. So, so when you introduced uh, these uh, techniques and uh, the, your practice in general, which is deep-rooted in science to the Indian uh, sports community, specifically cricket, what, what was the community receptive towards it or was there some amount of resistance to uh, accept? I think, again, it's a good question. There's um, there's two trains of thought, I think. So there's the top men. So uh, Raul Dravid, obviously, uh, loves my stuff. Ishan Sharma. Um, I've spoke to Hasha Patel, uh, Jadu Nadkat, Varanaran, Kulkani, these guys. Uh, and then you have the guys uh, down down below the pathway who want to improve and will search for everything. Then they're scattered around the place. Normally the tier below the very top is that, oh, no, it's all, it's all science. It's all overcomplicated uh, and this and that. But that's, that's getting less and less, I think, initially. Um, because what I found is that in the Indian community, you need to deal in facts. So if you tell me that by following your work, Stefan, that I can add 10 miles per hour on, I will do it. I will run through a brick wall for you. 
and I'll be really loyal and I'll keep coming back and I'll spread the word. So that's why I test a lot. You know, I test them at the start, obviously when they're with me live or where Pace Lab, because I come to Bangalore and occasions when COVID allows. I can't wait till I come out there again. I know that. Um, I test them. And then actually in five days, I retest them. And there's some of them have put three, four miles per hour on. And obviously that is not, and that's facts. You know, I've got it on, on the spreadsheet. I put it on social media. I like to be pretty transparent in everything I do. You can see that in my posts that I put everything on them. And, and, and some of it is not positive in terms of actually that didn't work. But some of it is that, well, you know, five miles per hour in the five days. And it's there on video. But that's not permanent. That's just tricking the nervous system. Right. That's just waking the nervous system off and desensitizing the Golgi tendon organ, which is the natural break of the body, and then allowing them. And then, but what that does, it, it gets them thinking, okay, I, I can do it. It's in me. I can bowl that much quicker. Now I need to keep training properly and accordingly based on the pace lab principles. But you have to deal in facts um, Indian bowlers can work the BS very quickly, and that's why I love uh, love working in India, love working with Indian bowlers, and I'd love to have a, a bigger impact across the whole uh, structure, really. So hopefully in time that will happen because the results are incredible. I have a couple of affiliate coaches around India who are just having a massive impact, the changes based on... Um, the pace lab principles, and that's it's motor learning, like we said. That is, and that's what that's what's not quite understood. I think in all sports, to be honest, it's it's the governor. The brain is the governor, but but it doesn't get talked a lot in coach education or anything. But it's actually without the brain, you you're nothing. There's no right. point having the muscles. Or like strength of a blinking ox if your brain doesn't tell your muscles to work and that's why I think my my principles my system I'm very much a systems coach my system works create change uh, I could get someone to brace the front leg in two hours uh, and that people will think no you can't don't talk such nonsense well actually it's proven, you know, you can do it, but it's understanding what's needed, what's needed for that individual bowler there. But then again, I can do it. Then they, when they go away from me then, well, you need to keep practicing that because otherwise you revert back to type. You revert back to that initial motor engram, that snow track that you had before. Now I've taken you on a different path you need to keep doing that. And that, that is an understanding as well. I can do the immediate change for you straight away. And you'll go away from here, wherever I am, in Toronto, in Bangalore, wherever, in Nagpur. And they'll go, oh, my God, I can now brace my front leg. I can now bowl five miles per hour faster. He's a genius. And then in a week, two weeks later, uh, I now collapse in my front leg and I'm bowling slower again. <laughs> and I go, what? Did you do the stuff that we did? No, <laughs> there we go then. You have to do the work, man.
right right within your system you are a big believer in overweight underweight implements so there yeah. exists two diff- two schools of thoughts about this some of them do believe that it sort of tends to corrupt your skill so what would be your take on that yeah and that again is i'm just i'm actually going to sit down today i know it's a saturday but i'm going to sit down and just i've got four methods four methods of bowling um and i'm going to just put a course together and and i knew you could ask that and and that's one of them so it's not the method itself that's wrong the concept it's the way it's um implemented it's its application that's flawed so going back to your question yes it does change technique well okay. maybe that's one of the sessions that i want to do so straight away the coaches have answered their own question how can you change technique weighted ball oh, what do you mean a weighted ball well you've just said that it changes biomechanics so there mm-hmm. we go and that's one of the methods but that is i call it a supermax grooving an olympic weightlifter which is a skill in itself as we've discussed will will hardly ever go to 100% max lift only in competition or maybe a peak in a, a couple 10 days before but they'll always work in that 80% they groove a pattern 80% and then they'll may add some variability in there with some fatigue or intensity or or whatever but and that's the one of the methods that I use with fast bowling supermax the really and you've seen Ishan on TV with a big silver ball that is, so that's like you can hold a dumbbell you don't have to release it but the weight itself is going to create change by creating the feel and overloading the movement so it's and you're adding variability as well so you're grooving a pattern the weight of the implement is putting you into the right biomechanical map so it's remapping you otherwise if you just do bodyweight stuff for bowling you'll never create change it's called sensorial adaptation the brain has done gazillions of those reps why is it going to want to change i'm doing the same thing my brain is going i'm not changing me because i'm doing the same thing as i've done millions of times if you want me to change you got to do something different so that's when weighted balls come in and and the lila exogen movement uh, weights on the whole body it's different it's variable uh that's so that's one change in technique developmental focus another one is max velocity max intent uh weighted ball implement however that is based on the third third uh way of using weighted balls not through testing Do you know what i'd love to have all this in underpinning indian cricket man it's like the stuff works <laughs> it's uh you test using weighted balls so they bowl with a normal weight but a normal ball they'll bowl with a weighted ball they'll bowl with a light ball and from those the data collected you can then um understand where their limiting factor is do they need more light ball is their arm speed low you know is their arm speed 700 rpms around 4 5000 degrees per second is that what they're hitting um yes they are okay well they've got speed well why are they not bowling 80 85 miles per hour do they lack power in the engine so then that's weighted ball that's that's your so you know you have a static and spring continuum very rarely do you sit in the middle 
Jofra Archer would sit in the middle, okay? But then we need to take people, you, everyone needs to sit in the middle, so it becomes about technique then, it becomes about skill, not physicality. Do you need more speed? Do you need more speed to bring you in the middle, or do you need more strength to bring you in the middle? And that's the three ways of using weighted balls. So it's not the method or the principle, it's actually the application of it through a lack of coaching knowledge. And let's be honest about it, cricket coaches are all ex-players. They're all ex-players who have done the same coaching course. They're wherever you are in the world. So what's to say that that one coaching course is right? And that's all I'm doing with my work is I'm, a lot of my stuff agrees with everyone. But actually, let's question the status quo. Let's not just copy it and go like sheep and follow it because that's the course. Actually, have, has someone sat down, thought about it? Is that the right way? So if, I was, if I'm a coach now and Jasper Bumra came on and bowled in front of me with, with his funny levers action, which the key point with Jasper Bumra, he's, he hits the attractors. <laughs> so, and the understanding that that style, that style is a bit unique. It's idiosyncratic based on his anthropometry and how he's grooved and bowled over the years because we're a product of environment. There's a reason why he bowls like that. And it's something to do with his joints, but I don't know enough about that. But then his technique is spot on. And that's the understanding there's difference between style and technique. We don't want to be, we don't want to be building robots who all look the same. But technique, the attractors, the descriptors are the same with the very best. But their style is always different. So the Propestar principles is a tier principles. At the top, you have the general performance descriptors. That's what your training needs to try and, and improve. And that is running in quicker. It's about the center of mass on, on your impulse stride, which is your takeoff stride. You want that to go forward, not up. You know, you want the shin angle to be going forward. Your shin angle is a force vector going forward. You want to control the collision on back foot. You don't want to be you don't want to be long time on back foot because that has negative consequence on the, the sequence. You want yeah. to be hitting brace foot front foot count. You want to control the collision. And then it's about sequencing. Fast bowling is about sequencing. It's, it's about angular momentum, transferring linear momentum into angular sequential momentum. Finally, with the ball, starting proximal to distal, starting from the middle. And then from there, coming down, then you have your specific descriptors. And they would be your... And I split the bowling into three zones, the approach zone, uh, the impact zone, and the delivery zone. I'm giving so much away here, but you know what? That's what it's about for me. It's about sharing knowledge. Uh, I split them into three zones. And then there are key parts in those zones that you can train for. And they're underpinned by the attractors. You know, your swing leg retraction, um, and then you've got your extended force closure. So there are key descriptors um, that are underpinned by the attractors. And the attractors are what give, gives the bowler their technique. That's, yeah. 
required. So what sort of velocity, sorry, pace drop have you seen when you use overweight implements? Do you have a cutoff point or a threshold 10%, that you said? Yeah. There needs to be a 10% difference, 10% uh, difference between light and heavy. Okay. Any variation from there um, implies there's a flaw somewhere. And then normally when you overload the the weight that's too far away, that's when you that's when you join them up. But it's ten percent difference uh, between the light and the heavy, um, and that's through a lot a lot of testing. And it's also baseball, right? Right. So uh, of course you use a lot of uh, technology, and you're a technology friendly guy. Uh, is there something that you would like to see that's probably non-existent as of now, like a technological gadget or tool that might well, be? Well, I help? use. Yeah, I use, I'm fortunate, I work in a school and um, we have a 1080 sprint and I'm doing a, a webinar for 1080 in India. So we're trying to get it into India. So it's uh, it's a motorized resistance or assistance uh, sprint, uh, but I use it for bowling. So it's right. like having a cord, but it measures everything. You know, it measures um running speed it measures the efficiency the pattern of your running the coordination it measures power it measures force and then you can chase let the let the data let the numbers guide you the problem in cricket um actually most sports is because there was a rush to use gadgets and data and and actually some of the stuff that was said 20 years ago or whatever although data has been used for years and years actually didn't work, didn't help. So now you have coaches in the current generation who go, actually, you know, paralysis by analysis, let's leave the, the geeky stuff aside. Let's not worry about that. It's, it's When I used to bowl, I used to bowl all day and I never used to do weights and keep your wrist up and all that and bowl till you get fit. And then that's when problems start. But it's, again, it's the lack of communication between generations and that's where sports science can build that gap. You know, you chase the numbers. Like if I got a 1080 sprint or a Motus arm speed gadget, or so many bowling coaches haven't a speed gun, even if it's the small pocket radar, you have to have a number. Otherwise, what, what, what are we training? Speed is the ultimate KPI. It's the ultimate measure of central nervous system activation, really, and progression. It's the speed. So if I'm when I when I do a session, always speed gun it, whether it's a strength session, because in a strength session, I follow Bondachuk. So in the strength session, there will be bowling. You have to be bowling. That's what I'm training. I'm not training an Olympic lifter or powerlifter, I'm training a bowler. So they have to do their skill. You know, if you're a sprinter, you'd be running at some stage. It might be tempo running or might be drill work. But for cricket, we think that going in the gym, doing some power cleans, some bench, some squats, and then going home is going to transfer. That is never, ever going to transfer to performance. You so need are you contrasting skill. it? Uh, absolutely. Contrast. So I, I always contrast. So your general, so Bondichuk, general prep, specific prep, Specific developmental competition exercise. Your competition exercise is bowling. Uh, then your specific developmental exercise can either be overload bowling 
or it can be uh, part of the body. And then specific prep is where you put your bench, your, your rows, your chins, all that stuff. That is actually, it might have a, an indirect transfer because if I improve my bench, for example, it's going to improve my long bowl, long toss, long bowl for distance, which has a positive correlation with ball velocity. So then that's an indirect transfer. And then your general exercises are your rotator cuff stuff, your glute work, your core work, your stabilization, different plane of movement. Um, but I always, they'll, they'll always be either. So a contrast work, like you said, can be called parts. Part session, which Bob Bondichup calls it, where you do your squat, then you bowl, squat and you bowl, or you clean and bowl if you want to do cleans. Um, or blending. So there's, but contrast is, is ultimately how I train fast bowlers. Contrast and complex. It's, it's a way of putting it all together because we are a, a complex system. We don't exist in isolation. You know, that's why the, the, my technical work uh, does create change because it has a, it has a S and C mindset to it. So when I have a bowler coming in to change technique, Actually, they might do a, a squat. So how it works, so following ramp, they'll we'll raise, we'll do some skipping or some whatever, raise the heart rate, small activation exercise to activate the glutes, to rotate the cuff. Uh, and then we go to a mobility work, some hurdle drills or whatever, some scorpions, some cobras. Uh, and then we go into potentiation. So there'll be some jumping, uh, bounding, uh, shock work. So that's the system follow. That's what they do, whether they're coming in to improve technical or physical or tactical. Uh, and they have that mindset then. They're coming in to work. If you get a bowler that's come in to do a technical session and they bowl in the nets and I stand at the back and go, well done. And that's never going to create change. It's just boredom. Boredom is motor learning's biggest enemy. Is this not going to switch on? You know, the reticular activating system is like the on button of the brain. It's not going to switch on if it's bored. So you have two, you only have two conscious uh, cues for a fast bowler, and that is intent and attent. They need to know what they're doing. So that's why you need a target. And you need to get, you need to make, you need to make the brain give a damn, they say, and attention. So they need to be motivated. So that those are the two things. Everything else in between for fast bowling is reflexive. Yeah, people forget that. It's but as soon as you as soon as you make it uh, conscious, that's when issues start with fast bowling. You overthink it, uh, and it becomes uh, a chunk. It can becomes a flawed approach to coaching. Right. So you played for almost uh, two decades as a professional athlete. So when you made your transition from an athlete to a coach. And now your practice is based on science. Was the transition easy for you? Because people who are purely physical generally tends to stay away from books and science. So was that transition easy for you? Or were you always curious and were you always learning about the science of fastballing? Yeah, no, I was, I was always a student of the game. So it was an easy transition for me. Unfortunately, um, I had a good following. When I played, people saw... I was always looking for that small uh, percentage difference. You know, I was, I remember warming up before the Lord's final 
2001 for Somerset. I was bowling with a parachute. So I was doing overload. I was bowling with a weighted ball. I was bowling with bands everywhere. Like, well, I was doing that 20 years ago. So when I see some coaches now putting a parachute running or a band, I'm like, man, uh, that was 25 years ago. You're not creating, you're not doing anything different here. So don't <laughs> market it as if it's your own. People have been doing that for a long time. Ages. You know? Yeah. Oh, ages and ages. There's no, there's never any new uh, training drill. It's always been done somewhere. Whether it's been done in a, in a, the same way, but the principle has been done. You know, cavemen were throwing rocks. That's overload training. You know, it, it's, uh, so let's not market something as your own. So what I try and do is bring everything together into one bundle. And then the system itself, the pace up system is a mixture of everything, but it's based on science, it's based on data, it's based on playing experience, it's based on coaching experience, and that's why I'm confident I can create change in all bowlers uh, and also add ball velocity to them. But I, So everyone knew that I was your gadget man. <laughs> I was when I played. So then when I, became, when I went into coaching and got the results that I have, then people were like, oh, yeah, I remember Stefan. He was, he was doing this stuff. He was warming with medicine balls. He was training before and after. I had EMS, so I had the, the electronic stimulation on my legs at lunchtime and tea time breaks. This was in <laughs> 2004. It, it was a one-day game, so we batted. Then before we went out to bowl, I put some pads on my legs to, to potentiate my, my quads and my hamstrings. This was, what's it, nearly 20 years ago. Huh? <laughs> right. Have you considered writing a book, Steph? <clears throat> yeah. I, I, so last lockdown, there's not many positives to lockdown, to be honest. And I know India is <laughs> going through a tough time at the minute. But I wrote a book last lockdown, about 250 pages, and it's being edited at the minute. Um, but it's, some of it is outdated already because I keep learning every week. But it's in there. Uh, I've, done, I've got a couple of courses coming on. Um, my intention is to write a pace lab course of fast bowling. Um, that not, I'm not here to challenge uh, organizations, but actually provide a unique and a different approach to it. And some of it does correlate with, with your different organizations. But then this, you know, I go into detail and that's what I say to uh, the coaches and the coaches organization is that if I'm, and I'm level three and I'm, I, I'm not going to do level four, but level three. So I know where I know coaching, but actually what I've done for the last 10, 15, 20 years is focus on fast bowling. So there's nothing in fast bowling that I don't know. And that's and that's not being an ego thing. I've just had the time to do it because I'm a director of sport at a school. So I have holidays and I have reading and I have the best case studies there is in key stages of development. So if I try a method with a couple of my bowlers and it doesn't work, I go, okay, didn't like that. I won't do it again. Didn't work. If I did that with a professional in the game and got it wrong, I'm out. I'm sacked, isn't it? Right. So I've been able to experiment due to 
my uh, circumstances in my life, really. And that's why I want to share stuff. You know, I want to share stuff like small things, like a way of creating changes to make it worse, to exaggerate the flaw, feed the mistake. So if you have someone who falls away when they bowl, actually get the cord and pull them further that way. The body's a protective organism. It's not going to want pain. So it's not going to go that much further. It's going to correct itself. And you, by exaggerating and feeding the mistake, you create change. And small things like that. Can you imagine if I did that to Ishan Sharma or whatever, where, when he was going in the tests, I'm like, I get it wrong. He bowled a wide down there and there. But I'm fortunate. I'm able to have, have these case studies. And over time, then I touch wood, touch wood. I don't get a lot wrong. Absolutely. Steph, one final question for you. Knowing what you know about Indian SNC community, is there some advice, suggestions that you would like to give? Yeah, it's um, like I've said a number of times, I love India. I love the coaches, I love the players and I love the mentality to want to be better. That, that the work ethic is phenomenal. What I, what I like now is just the, the knowledge and uh, what, what tends to happen is coaches just go towards one person and that is, that is the guru. That's who they listen to and everything else is rubbish. They're talking nonsense. But actually, you need to make your own mind up what works for you because I know at the minute there's a big thing of Olympic lifting and heavyweight training in India, uh, especially cricket. And that's not necessarily the good thing or the right thing. Okay, and my question to every bowler uh, is because you've gone from 60 kilogram power clean to 80, 90 power clean by doing that for 20 weeks a year, has it increased your ball velocity? And if it has, then awesome. High fives to that guy. But if it's not, and it's just made you top of the whiteboard, the whiteboard syndrome, or on a his gym then ask a question who's who is it benefiting so all i ask is that what we do as coaches whether it's technical tactical physical is benefiting the player and, it, and there's no one size fits all so my advice is just open open your minds and there's no one side one size fits all some might need weights some might not these things are so culturally embedded and it has gained so much momentum that might be a challenge to change. Cool. Thank you so much, Steph, for making the time for this. Uh, yeah. Do you have plans for Pace Lab Indian Hub? Yes. Well, so... <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm testing for it to come over to be honest uh, I've um, particle drive it five times a year so as soon as COVID I'm allowed to travel I'll be there maybe once or maybe a one week or a two week camp I've been there three or four times already um, so that is the intention so if you want piss lab you come there because of the facilities and then I might have small pockets around India um, in the future but soon as soon as the world opens and I can fly I'll be out there cool great where can people find you Steph? Um, so my, my website is pacelabglobal.com. There's different programs on there. Um, there's, you can become part of the community so I can answer questions. 
My Instagram is Stefan Jones 105 and it's the same with Twitter. That's two Fs. And then I've got Pace Lab uh, Limited on Instagram as well. But most of my stuff is on Stefan Jones 105. Brilliant, brilliant. Cool. Thank you so much, Steph. I appreciate the effort. We will definitely like to catch up with you Pleasure. once you're back in India. Yeah, definitely. I look forward to it. Thank you so much, Steph.